The scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. This morning we are finishing up our series uh, called Mother Tongue. This has been our sermon series that has walked through our vision, our mission, and our values here at the table. And so our vision, to remind you, is to provide a place at the table of God's grace. This is why we exist. This is why we're doing what we do. Our mission is to invite people into a relationship with Christ and form a community that worships and serves together for the transformation of our neighborhoods. Worship, relationship, and service. These are how we accomplish our vision. Our values are hospitality, rootedness, story, feasting, and our last one is beauty. Why beauty? Well, I'm going to tell you a story. It was April of 2020. It was very early on in the pandemic, and I was angry and sad and confused and really didn't know why we were being subjected to this coronavirus. And so I was walking around the neighborhood, as I often do, and I was praying, and I was praying to God, why am I so sad what do I need in my life? And it was April, and it was beautiful that year. Um, the, all the flowers and the warm weather was, was kind of brought out all the flowers, and people were out, and they were all walking around, and it dawned on me. The thing that I needed was beauty. Like even missing the opportunity to jump in the car and go run an errand because we didn't have to do that as much. Not cresting the, the kind of highway and the view there at Hamden and 25 to be able to see the mountains on a regular basis. To be removed from that beauty was something that was, was really was, was hurting me, was really causing uh, kind of the you know, uh, uh, dissonance in my own life. And I needed some sense of redemption to break through to remind me that this would only be a season. I didn't know that it would be like a two-plus-year season, but that this would be a season. And for me, what I needed was beauty. Beauty is often forgotten. Beauty is often something that we uh, relegate to if we have extra time, if we have extra money, if we are able to uh, get through the things that we need to do in life, all the practical, easy things, then maybe we'll make time for beauty. But classically speaking, beauty is, in philosophical terms, is one of the transcendent things of the universe alongside truth and goodness. 
In other words, it transcends cultural values and is unchanging. And though sometimes we argue that this isn't always the case, that there are things that are not transcendent, truth, goodness, and beauty are what has classically been called the transcendence. In the church, we often talk about truth and goodness. Truth is absolute. It emanates from God. What Jesus came to reveal as the way, the truth, and the light. Goodness, we often speak of as a church. Jesus reminds us that no one is good besides God. But beauty, beauty isn't always talked about very much. Some ways it can be ignored. Churches used to be these major patrons of the arts, but church buildings nowadays often serve more pragmatic purposes than beautific ones, and they kind of look more like warehouses than places that inspire awe and wonder of who God is. There are too many other things to worry about in life other than beauty. Or are there? Because beauty is actually that thing that unites truth and goodness. It is the thing, the avenue by which truth and goodness kind of makes its way into our hearts. Beauty is important. Beauty is essential. Beauty evokes. It demands a response, either delight or pleasure, sometimes displeasure as well. Beauty demands to be noticed. It can affect us in unlimited ways. It can speak to us as a close, intimate friend. It can console us or it can jar us to life. It can inspire us to make and create beauty on our own, or it can chill us and make us notice how little beauty we actually have in our lives. Because beauty like light and darkness, always contrasts the ugliness that we see. It's relative, sure, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but it's also objective in its nature because beauty causes us to react. One theologian says, beauty is an intrinsic quality of things which, when perceived, pleases the mind by displaying a certain kind of fittingness. It just works. You see it. You notice it. It stands out because of its contrast to the rest of life around us. We see beauty in all sorts of places. It's why many of us have moved to Denver for the beautiful weather or the mountains that we can gaze upon so we can play in the natural beauty. We go to concerts. We read books. We recite poetry. We watch movies. We eat delicious foods, we visit museums, and sometimes we even garden to experience beauty as well. I think this is especially important as we see so much brokenness around us. I read the stat this past week that has probably even changed by now, but there have been 233 mass shootings in this year already in this country. We know of friends and loved ones that are hurt and lonely. We know of friends that have passed recently. COVID-19 still affects our lives and we make decisions around it. We hear of wars and rumors of wars. The ugliness of sin and brokenness in our society just seems to beat up on beauty, just like a playground bully over and over again which is why I think it's important that we include beauty as one of our values. In a broken and fallen world, one that really struggles to show its beauty right now, the church needs to restore beauty as one of its values. The existence of beautiful things requires us to believe in the existence of a beautifier. 
The church needs to be a place of beauty because God is beautiful. We don't care about beauty for our own vanity, to be cool and hip and all of those things. I, as the pastor here, clearly am not the hippest guy out there, though I'd like to think my beard allows me some level of hipness. But we believe in beauty because we want to display the beauty of God. Because God does the same thing that beauty does. God evokes. God is essential. God demands to be noticed. We notice him in the face of all the ugliness and sin that's around us. He speaks to us as only an intimate friend can. He is descendant, uniting both truth and goodness to display more beauty than often our finite minds and our finite beings can handle. The Old Testament prophets demanded the beauty of God, both from God and from the people. They kind of lived in that in-between space. They woke up to the sovereign presence of God in their lives, so they yelled, they wept, they rebuked, they soothed, they challenged, and they confronted both God and the people that they were called to. They used beautiful words with power and imagination, very blunt words and also very subtle ones. Over and over again, they want us to keep, they want to keep us present to the beauty of God in our lives. They don't always explain what God is doing. Such beauty is unexplainable. But they write poems, they sing songs, they uh, are playwrights even to a degree that display God's beauty in this world. Isaiah, who we're looking at this morning, is the preeminent prophet of the Old Testament. And he reminds us over and over again that nothing is outside the reach of God's beautific purposes. For Isaiah, words are watercolors, they're melodies, they're chisels to make truth, goodness, and beauty. They're hammers, swords, and scalpels to unmake the ugliness, the sin, the guilt, the rebellion that is so present in this world. Isaiah's own name in Hebrew means Yahweh saves. God is the beautifier who wants to make and take the mess and raw materials of our lives and transform them into beauty. Because beauty, as he tells us, gives us peace, beauty gives us joy, and beauty gives us salvation. Beauty gives us peace. Let me read verse 7 again. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The people of Israel at this time have been in exile and they are returning to Jerusalem and they have found it just absolutely desolate. And they have been over and over again conquered by the nations that have been around them. Here God is telling them, Isaiah is reminding them of the good news that is going to come. He says, how beautiful are the feet. We don't usually think of feet as being beautiful. We cover them up. Um, Most of us wear shoes. So they're not on display 
all the time, but feet are not usually beautiful things. Right? This good news of peace. And this messenger is coming to declare to Israel that they will no longer be con- conquered by these other nations. In verse 1 of this chapter, uh, it promises that there will be no more uncircumcised or unclean who will come into Jerusalem, who will destroy the temple and desecrate it over and over again. The people of Israel are free again. They are no longer captives. This word for peace is the word shalom. It carries way more weight than what our word peace does in English. It's not just rest from war. It's not just not being in conflict conflict with one another, but it's wholeness. It's flourishing. It's a life that creates beauty because beauty helps us see where we don't have peace, and it gives us hope that we will have peace, that peace will come. That is why feet are called beautiful. While I was on that walk uh, in, in April of 2020, I prayed and I prayed, Lord, I need beauty. I need to see that you are moving and working in this wild world. I need to see beyond my own circumstances to know that faith, hope, and love are still the governing principles of your kingdom. Help me to taste and see that you are good. Help me to see your beauty in this place. And I remember very specifically that I didn't amen that prayer because I needed it to hang there like a child crying out over and over again to his father, to his parents. And so I prayed for beauty to be able to see God at work. I think there are two places that we need uh, peace in our lives to be able to see this beauty. I think it's in our human relationships that we have with one another. We often have our own um, ideas of how the world should work. And when we're in relationships with one another, they come into conflict, conflict because when you're in a marriage or when you have kids or when you're just friends with one another, You have differences, opinions of how things should happen. And so you're not always at peace with one another. Forgiveness is one of those ways that we're able to do that. To be able to ask for forgiveness, to be able to apologize, to be able to um, seek uh, forgiveness this is why we pray the, um, the prayer of confession every week so that we learn that we are able to ask for forgiveness from God, but also from one another. It's practice. But Paul and Paul reminds us in Romans 12 that to the best of our ability, we are to live peaceful lives with one another. And we pray that prayer of forgiveness because our peace in other relationships starts with our relationship with God. Where do you need to experience God's forgiveness in your life? Where do you need God to bring his peace and his beauty, which transcends understanding, to work out the wars that are going on in your relationships, in your own life, in, the, in where you work and where you live and what school looks like and how your life is going right now, this kind of in-between time still of getting back to normal, figuring out what that looks like. Maybe it's summer and kids are now home all the time. We already have had, had to ask for forgiveness from our own kids, and I'm not sure if they did or not, but they needed to ask forgiveness from us as well. 
and it's only been the first weekend of summer, so <laughs> we are working this out already. I encourage you to pray, to invite God in, and to demand, as the, uh, as the prophets have, demand his beauty to bring peace in your life. God's beauty gives us peace. God's beauty also gives us joy. Verses 8 and 9, Isaiah continues, The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The watchmen have been waiting to make sure that no one else is going to come and conquer Jerusalem again. They're ensuring its defense that everyone is going to be okay who lives within the walls. And here, instead of being quiet, instead of being stealthy, they break into song because they see the messenger coming, bringing the good news of joy and peace. And so they sing in their hearts. They sing out loud as they see the messenger coming with good news. They, uh, Isaiah says, you ruins of Jerusalem. I love that. Like we're in the waste places. We are broken down. We have no hope, but God comes to give us joy in it. And we break out in song together. Music is one of those places that gives us extreme joy. I think that's why the watchmen break out in the song. I think that's why Isaiah encourages and commands us to sing as well. I think it's one of the primary places in our society where we regularly experience beauty and joy. It's why we have radio, have the radio in our cars. It's why I spend too much time and energy uh, and money into making sure my record player works and so that we can have music streaming throughout um, our house at all times. I love music. Perhaps um, this is why record and CDs, CDs, have you bought CDs lately? It's why people are buying CDs again. Like this is amazing to me. Um, these things are coming back because music in particular has the ability, perhaps like nothing else, to lift our hearts and to give us joy, to change our emotions of feeling like we are desolate places, like we are ruins, like we are the waste places of Jerusalem, to lift our hearts and to give us joy. We had tickets for Red Rocks in July, uh, for Avett Brothers at Red Rocks in July of 2020. That concert was canceled again because of COVID. And so it was 2021 when they finally came back and we were able to go see them. And it was like a year plus at that point of not going to concerts, of not being at live music, of not feeling and having our hearts lifted out of this, these places. And at one point in time, I mean, it was so great to be there. It's a beautiful venue. They're a fantastic band. But at one point, they played Harry Belafonte's uh, Jump in the Line, that very upbeat from Beetlejuice. Maybe you remember that. Um, but Jump in the Line, everybody in rum. Okay, I believe you. That's all I'm going to sing, I promise. Um, 
but it was just like this joy. Everybody was already enjoying the concert, but this joy just swept over the crowd, and people were dancing and singing along much better than I was singing, but it just, the whole place erupted, and it just feeling of this, of what COVID had weighed down had been lifted for us. I posted on Instagram, as I want to do sometimes, and I said, if I'm honest, it was a little overwhelming, but in a good way to be back at a concert singing my lungs out with thousands of other people. The reason I go to concerts, the reason I have these speakers here and to, is so that I can blast music and feel it. Sometimes in the evenings I don't watch TV or watch a movie or anything. Finally, we get the kids down and I just turn music on and just let it wash over me so that I can feel that release of whatever the day has has borne whether it's been an absolutely amazing day or bedtime you know took two hours when I wish it only took one um, and I need to be lifted out of those those desolate places right take in some beauty listen to some good music go to a concert walk a museum let the beauty that we have created both humans but also what god has provided to lift your hearts as well visit uh, the botanic garden or take a slow walk around your neighborhood to take in the flowers that are in full bloom right now the irises that are just hanging there with their beards i love that there's a bearded flower out there when all their array of colors are out Appreciate the architecture, the flowers, the trees, even the wildlife that roam around this city that God has created. And don't do it just to, to do it, just for, again, just for your own vanity, but do it and glorify God. Give him thanks for the things that he has provided, that he has made this place a beautiful world that we can live in, not just a pragmatic one not just one that serves our uh, purposes. If you can sing, sing. Open your heart to sing if your mouth won't as well. Beauty gives us joy. Beauty gives us peace. But beauty also gives us salvation. Verse 10. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of of our God. God is on display in his beauty for all the nations to see. I love this image that Isaiah gives us. His arm is bare. He's out there. His arms are not folded. They're not hidden away. They're not standing with them behind his back, but his arms are out and open. Eugene Peterson translates this verse in the message by saying, God has rolled up his sleeves. All the nations can see his holy muscled arm they see him at work doing his salvation work god is not idle god is not passive he is not removed from the suffering and the pain of this world but you might even be able to argue that he is the one the messenger coming over the mountain with beautiful feet he is obvious in his salvation and in his work Fyodor Dostoevsky in The Idiot says, Beauty will save the world. Beauty is salvific because God is the supreme display of beauty. 
the most beautiful person to walk this earth was Jesus. And although Isaiah says, just in this passage right after this, that he grew up like a young plant, had a root, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him, which is to say he looked normal. There was nothing overly attractive to him in his appearance, but his life and his work made him beautiful. Everyone that came into contact with Jesus, Pharisees and sinners alike, had to respond to him. For his disciples, his beauty caused them to die for him. For the Pharisees, his beauty caused them to put him to death. All of us have to wrestle with the beauty of Christ. That March or that April in 2020, um, we couldn't do church. I wanted to do a big Easter service. Even Greenwood, our partner church, couldn't do an Easter service. And it was made me very sad. It made me very upset because I wanted to lovingly bring people in to see the beauty of who Christ is. And as the weather was so gorgeous, I decided that, you know what? There's an art show that I've always wanted to do. It's called Stations in the Street by Scott Erickson. And uh, you print these massive posters, and you can wheat paste them. It makes you feel very anarchist when you do this. But you can paste them down on sidewalks, sides of buildings, or wherever you want to. And so I thought, you know what? It's so beautiful. Everybody's out walking. Everybody's home because there's nowhere to go. Why don't I put down these posters? So I printed them three feet by four feet. They barely fit on the sidewalk. And Kinko's, it's not Kinko's anymore, it's FedEx. FedEx can't print them any larger than that. So um, I wheat pasted these down on the sidewalk and uh, printed out a worship guide for people to be able to walk through the stations and ask some friends and neighbors if they would host them on their sidewalk. And so you could walk a loop around. First year, a few people took the worship guides. We've done it for three years in a row now. And people have come. They've driven into our neighborhood from other parts of the city. Um, one uh, mother and her daughter would walk the stations every day and multiple times because her daughter just wanted to go and see the beauty of these posters. And the artwork is really, really wonderful as well. Right. Many people stopped and lingered and were called to wonder and question of who God is. It's something in them, something in the beauty of Jesus. His last day, these last moments before his death caused people to stop and ponder something that was poking at their souls. I think these images lifted people's spirits and spoke to them. Even the non-Christians in the neighborhood that hosted posters were asking the next year and the next year after that, are you going to do it again? Is there anything you need from us? What can we do? Please put the posters out. We love having them here. And for some reason this year, there's still a few that have stuck down uh, through all the rain and the snow and everything that we've experienced since Easter. Um, So I, I would like to think that this beauty is beginning to sow the seeds of salvation in our neighborhood and in our own souls as well. Be God's art exhibit in your life. Put God on display in his salvific work in your own life through your speech, in your work, in your love, your care, your discipline. You get to be God's work of art as well. There's uh, one of the verses in Ephesians, Paul writes that you are God's poem. 
is the word he uses. You are God's poem. You are his own work of art in your life and in the life of this world. Be people of peace. Be people of joy, of hope, and love. What would it mean for you to display the beauty of Christ in your life? How would you do that? Be more patient, have peace in your life, kindness, to be loving, to joyful, to be gentle when maybe a harsh word would be where we would go normally. Let us live lives that display God's beautiful salvation. People would know peace. People would know joy. People would know God's salvation because we are beautiful. Our feet can be beautiful as well. Paul quotes this verse in Romans 10 when he says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? How are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We are called to be messengers with beautiful feet, calling all people to come and find their peace, their joy, and their salvation in Jesus. And when we're not, it's okay as well. Because God and his Son sent Jesus so that his, so that his feet would not be beautiful, so that ours could be. Christ was our messenger who forsook the beauty of heaven, whose feet were not washed, whose people, who people looked away from when he hung on the cross. He bore our ugliness, our sinfulness in his appearance so that we might have his beauty when we are not beautiful. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful that we have your son who you sent to be beautiful, to display your beautiful purposes in our lives. Lord, may we look to him for our peace, for our joy, and for our salvation. We long to see a day when your beauty and your glory reigns, Lord. Send your Holy Spirit to enliven our hearts, to long for that, to be that here and now and to come and to make this place beautiful, Lord, to wipe away every tear, to comfort every heart. Speak to us as a close friend, comforting us in our own pain, in our own heartache, so that we may see your, your beauty and call on the name of Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.